0: Well, I'd like to thank Pastor Mike, even though he's not here, for allowing me to make his top ten list of preachers. Uh, So thank you especially to the nine that turned him down to enable me to talk. So uh, I'm number ten here, so I do appreciate you guys being here and not leaving me. Uh, But the sermon title I want to talk about today is Heavy Fire on the Front. And I was thinking, for me, death popped into my head bloody, genocide, painful, dramatic, scary. You know, also on the front lines, there can be victory. You might be able to see the enemy withdrawing. Uh, So that's where this kind of topic has came from this week of just what I felt like I was going through. So if you do have your Bibles, in which I forgot on my pew, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, thanks for the privilege and honor uh, to be able to talk to be able to talk about your word that is God-breathed. I just pray that you guide me in everything I say, that it's from you and nothing of myself. Uh, help me to glean from the message as well and truly apply it to our lives when we leave here. In Jesus' name, amen. So there's multiple verses that, that we just read that Paul talked about, and he used military terminology to describe the Christian life to describe what we go through as Christians with sin and with Satan. And also, multiple verses in the Bible that Peter and Paul both use to describe the Christian life dealing with sin as a waging war. You know, those are pretty intense words to describe our life that we're going through that you guys are sitting through now that there is a war waging, and it's sin. It definitely makes me think, and you know when the Bible says it not once, not twice, but multiple times, you best listen, you know? And I I remember as a child, when I was 10 years old, my, my mom would be like, Michael, clean your room. And I knew the first time was just like a little warning call, like, you know, her voice wasn't angry yet. The second time, Michael, clean your room. It was a little bit more intense, but still, it's only the second time but the third time, Michael, Jack, and then she didn't have to finish that sentence, and my tail was running up those stairs to throw it all under my bed or what I, whatever I had to do to clean the room. Uh, so you know it's important. And with, these, uh, with the past couple weeks, uh, I just need to take my own advice here of what I'm saying, but the main message I want everyone to get out of today when you leave these doors is when the war is waging, make sure you are tapping into God's resources. I'll repeat it. When the war is waging, make sure you are tapping into God's resources. And the problem was for me, I wasn't doing that. You know, I I did my daily devotions in the morning. I spent time with God. I prayed before my day. I did all that. Uh, But as my hours were longer, and I know a lot of you, especially Kadar and Mark Mealy, you guys work like 100 hours a week. It is hard to fit in there, you know, to pray continually, to have your God time. Well, as my war was waging on this battle line, it was like less and less. Instead of my normal, like, talking to God throughout the day and tapping into those resources, I kind of was checking out more and more, checking out more and more. And I still read my Bible. You know, I could check that off the legalistic list. I still prayed in the morning, so I'm okay, you know, but I, I wasn't. And I was really getting broken. Uh, so, there's three integral resources that we need to tap into, which are our training team and commander in chief. That's our training team and commander in chief, which is God. So, the first aspect of training, uh, you know, is our church. Hebrews 10.25a says, not neglecting to meet together. We're told not to forsake the fellowship. It is essential to go to church. So congratulations, you guys have completed this week of training on Sunday, just coming in here. Uh, Acts 2.42 says, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Being devoted to something, like I'm devoted to my wife, she is a priority in the morning. She's a priority throughout the day and when I go to bed. When you are devoted to something, you are all in to whatever it is. And hopefully, you're committed to whatever job you do, even if you don't like it. You know, or you'll probably get fired if you're not committed and don't show up. Uh, But it's important to go to church. Church is huge. Uh, You know, we go here. Thankfully, we have Pastor Mike as our preacher. He's 20 years plus experience in the ministry. He's got his master's degree in theology. When I go to this church on a Sunday, I know I'm going to get fed some meat. You know, hopefully you can glean some crumbs from me today, uh, but going to church, we, we get to learn from a man that's truly trained and will equip us for our week to handle these wars that are waging. Uh, And also small groups. We have small groups, and I'm so thankful we have them because your small group, if you are in one, you know what a bond that brings. We get to study a book that's not part of the Bible. Uh, It's still okay to read other books, uh, especially that help us with our walk. We generally, in our class, we read a book that uh, a pastor wrote that has been through a lot and helps us go through what he's already been through with tips and advice, and we have support. You know, same in the military. You have a unit, a platoon, and it's a camaraderie, it's a bond with that small group. Also, Joshua eight says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night. You will be sure to obey everything in it. Only then will you prosper in all you do. Continually doesn't mean just you know, you read your little verse on the iPhone app and then you just check out all day. Like, okay, I did my spiritual thing. I'm going to go to work and I'm good. No, continually means maybe in traffic instead of listening to a big talk radio, Fox News or something to put on, you know, just some music that you can pray to God to. You know, have that relationship continually throughout the day. Don't just get fed in the morning, you know, eat lunch and dinner too and a couple of snacks in between on the word of God. Uh, devotions are a huge part as well as training because of your growing. You know, that's how you get to know someone is through those devotions. When you got married or when you got a best friend or whoever that you're really close to, I'm guessing to get to that point, you spend some time with them. You know, I I didn't see Marissa when I first got to Word of Life Bible Institute and be like, hey, let's get married tomorrow. Uh, You're kind of pretty and you're at a Bible college, so let's get married. No. No. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, so, no, we spent literally, no joke, 14 hours together every day of the summer for three months, 14 hours, uh, because we both were lifeguards, and there was a lot of downtime in between there, but we literally worked 14 hours a day at, at this camp. You know, when you're a camp counselor, there's never a break, so it was a great time to get to know Marissa. The same with our God. We need to get to know him. We need to know him inside and out to utilize all the resources that he has to give you. If you don't read the Bible, then you don't know what we got, you know? I I just want to encourage everybody how important that devotional time is, as well as one of the most important aspects of training in my life has been discipleship. Okay? The, The church slogan, our motto, making disciples, making a difference. And Pastor Mike is called the staff to disciple others. And eventually the plan will be everyone in this church is being discipled. We're discipling somebody. Because we all need it. Even Reverend Wiggins, that is next to being perfect. But, you know, he could be discipling people. It's, it's still good to have a discipler. Before I got married to Marissa, uh, I wanted to be a godly husband. I wanted to do the best I possibly could. So I said, what better way to be a godly husband than to find a godly couple that's did it already. So we found a Bible, at our Bible college, we found a couple that has been married 20 plus years. They looked like they had a good marriage. I mean, I'm sure there was still fighting. I mean, they're not, they're not perfect, uh, but they discipled us. They, they helped us, they, they told us stuff that we would never forget the rest of our lives. You know, one of the greatest advice that they gave us, um, Jim Henson was like, Mike, look at Marissa. So I'm looking at her and I'm like, she's pretty. No. But I was looking, I was like, okay, I'm looking at her, and he was like, Mike, Marissa's going to sin against you. She's going to make you mad. And I was like, really? He was like, oh, yeah, well, just wait. You're going to get married, right? And I was like, yeah. He's like, she's going to sin against you. And I was like, all right. And then he told Marissa, Marissa, look at Mike. He's going to sin against you. And in my head, I'm like, yeah, right. Like, ah, I'm not going to do anything wrong to Marissa. You know, But being married two years, I'm sure she could tell you there's been some wrong in there. Uh, but it was one of the greatest advice that I got. And being discipled now is so essential because James says to confess your sin to one another. So, and, and I'm not saying go to church and be like, I struggle with stealing. And everyone's like, oh, she looked like a thief. You know, or it, we don't need to express that. But if you have somebody that you trust, have somebody that you can confide in, you want to tell them so they can pray for you, not judge you. So it's so essential for discipleship. But even though training is a big aspect of our tapping into our resources here, but that we're most effective as a team. As a team. We are the body of Christ. If you are a Christian, then our army is the universal church. So if you trusted Christ as your personal savior, congratulations. You're in the universal church. You're in the Lord's army. Um, and it doesn't even have to be, even though most of the universal army is all Wesleyans. Just kidding. Just a Baptist might have snuck in there. But uh, <laughs> so anyway, <it laughs> I got like off track now. <laughs> so we're, we're most effective as a team. And I, the, the, I love the army slogan. It used to be an army of one. And, and that's like the body of Christ. We have many members, but we're one body. So if we're on the battlefield in the army and Mark breaks his leg, you know, Russell and I are going to come under Mark and we're going to get him out of harm's way. Well, it's the same thing as Christians, okay? If my friend Daniel here is hurting, then it's my job to lift him up, to encourage him, to help him out. We are in this together. This war that is waging, every one of you sitting in here now, we're a team. And I know we lo- I know this church. We love you. We love each other. We're here for each other. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 says, For just as the body is one... And has many members, all the members of the body, though many, are one body. So it is with Christ. You know, we're, we're called to strengthen each other. Proverbs twenty-seven, sixteen, very popular verse. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. In Romans 12, verse 10, it says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. And I can honestly say, say that I've called multiple members, and I'll just pick on Kevin Sexton because he's not here. Um, that, and No, not picking on them, but build them up. Like I, I can tell you I, I might have ran out of gas or broken down a couple of times. Uh, you think after the first time you'd get it, but my motorcycle for a while didn't have a gas gauge thing on it, so I just guessed, and I guessed wrong a lot. So it, it didn't matter where I was or what time it was, because I called during the craziest times, like just stranded on a highway. And I'm like, Kevin, and he's like, did you run out of gas? I'm like, yes. You know, and he, he would come and get me. He literally would stop anything he was doing to help me. And that's what this body of Christ is about. That's what this team is about and I'll just take a moment to brag about our church. Our, our church is truly amazing, and I don't just say it because you guys pay me. Uh, it, it is, Marissa and I have been through a lot with the accident, with getting here. You guys have been so generous, so prayerful for us. I've never seen so much love, and you guys didn't even know who I was. And you guys were already the greatest blessing in our lives, even more so than my personal family. It was, it was weird. I was not used to that. But this church loves on people. That's what we're about. We're about a team. We're a body of Christ. If you went to meet the neighbors, I love seeing our congregation. We ha- I think we had over 60% of this church go help. That is unheard of. You're, you're, you're lucky to get 10% of a church to go help anything. It's usually 10% of the people do all the work. Not here. I, I feel like we're at, we have a 100% success rate of people loving on each other. Um there's also a lot of strengths in, the, in this church, in the body of Christ. Just like, Chris, I think it was Chris Kyle, the, the sniper, you know, he got on to the sniper division because he was an amazing, deadly shot. You know, I think when he killed that sniper, it was over 2,000 yards away, almost like a mile and a half or something that he shot. Well, he got put where he was best at. We have a lot of talents in this church, a lot of people that have been through trials, that has lost loved ones, that have lost spouses. We have a lot of people that have been through the depths and back. We can help. I guarantee there's something that you, if you're sitting here and you think your problem is too big, I guarantee you, you are wrong. And there's someone here that's been through it and can help you. And as I shared with our Sunday school class, or small group class last week, that Paul says in Corinthians that there's there's two reasons that we go through these battles, the front line, that go through these trials. And one was to help other Christians that are going through it. That's a team. That's where the team comes in. And then two was to draw closer to Christ. So, but every person on the team answers to the chief, the commander-in-chief. And I'm not talking about President Obama here. So, but our commander-in-chief, you know, unlike the one that we have in the United States, we can contact at any point. Okay, Our commander-in-chief is always available. We don't, we don't call you know, with a prayer here. Dear God, like, please help me with what we're going on. And then a secretary in the heavenly realms is like, oh, no, not Mike again. I can't believe he's done. Da- God, it's Mike. Same problem. Uh, tell Mike I'll answer him later. You know, we don't have that type of relationship. We get to go right to the guy, right to the head God with a prayer. 24 hours a day, you're awake at 3 a.m. because you're hurt and maybe arthritis, you got back pain, maybe some other problems, guess what? God is awake, he's right next to you and can't wait to hear from you. That, that's an amazing God we have. Um, in Isaiah 40, 29 through 31, this tells us a little glimpse about our commander in chief. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths, Grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. You know, and just to take a, a you know advantage of this time to brag about God. God can help you in any battle you got. Anything that's going on, God. You know, God has been there. Jesus has walked through all the sins and temptations and mission complete successfully. Philippians 4.13 is a favorite verse of so many people. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. God is a powerful God. He's omnipotent. If you don't know what that means, he's all powerful. God is um, omnipresent. So he's everywhere with us no matter where we go. Whether we're at that traffic light, at the dentist office, he's right by our side. And God is omniscient. He's full of knowledge. He knows it all. He knows what you were going to pray for before the creation of the world. God knows everything. How we talk to the commander-in-chief? We pray. We we talk to God through prayer. And God talks to us through reading the Bible. See that 360-degree communication. So if you're like, man, I pray all the time. I got this great relationship with God. But you don't read your Bible at all, you never let God speak to you. And let me challenge you, if you're married or talk to your friends, if I tell Marissa never again to talk, and I'm the only one allowed to talk, you best believe I'm going to be on that couch tonight, and my couch isn't that comfortable. So I'm going to let her talk. You know, we, we need, when we're on that frontline battle, it's so essential that we have that talk, And my time with God, when I was going through that, it was slower and slower, like less and less. It went from like 45 minutes of Bible in the morning to like 30 to 15 to 10, and then I'm just complaining about my problems, complaining about being on this front line when I'm the one kind of rejecting God and taking a step back. But I firmly believe with consistent training, a team effort, and having a thriving relationship with a the commander-in-chief, the heavy fire on the front line will not seem as heavy. When the fire is fierce, make sure you are tapping into God's resources. When the fire is fierce, make sure you're tapping into God's resources. So in conclusion, we need to be training on a daily basis. We're more likely to fall when we're not prepared, okay? It was harder for me to, to, when I was going through that trial to read the Bible, even though I was already reading it a good bit, it was still hard for me to fall off. But if I was more consistent on a daily basis when I went through that trial, it would already be in my day, so it would be less likely I'd fall. Utilizing the team. Hey, when you're going through a problem, uh, you know, besides telling God, tell someone you love, tell someone you know, this church is here. I know Pastor Mike would stay up. If you called him at 3 a.m., like I am sure if it was important and you weren't just talking about some show you watched, he would listen to you. They would listen to you. You can't get help from us or anyone here if they don't say anything to you. How do we know? We, as a team, we're here for each other. I was made for you guys, and you guys were made for me. We're here together. Uh, so utilize that team. There is no lone ranger Christian, okay? Maximize your relationship with a commander-in-chief. Get to know him. He wants to get to know you. He formed you in the womb. He knew you before creation. God wants to know you. When you know him more, I guarantee you'll have that much more help because you'll know what to say, what to ask for. You'll know all the past times he's helped people. So right now, I just I want to open up the altar. If there's anyone here right now that is going through a battle, that is feels like you're on the front line, you feel like things might be crashing down, I just want to give the opportunity now to come to the altar and pray. And maybe you're not going through a trial. Maybe you're not going through any problems. Well, then you can pray for me uh, because there's always something going on, you know, in this Christian life. And um, so this time is yours. I will close in like a couple minutes. Heavenly Father, thank you so much just for blessing and blessing us with this church, with this body of Christ, that we know we're we're never alone from you. Never once were we ever walking alone. And the fact that we have this loving church body that is constantly praying for everyone here so grateful for your love i'm grateful for these trials because i know they grow us but at the time i'm sorry for not praising you and for for just being upset that they're coming in our lives especially my life but lord i just pray for those that are hurting maybe those that didn't go to the altar and maybe they are going through a trial lord you know please bless them and help them and strengthen them you don't give us a spirit of fear a spirit of power and boldness help us to get through this Lord I just pray that we can be here for each other and truly be the church outside these doors thank you Lord for your love and everything you've done for Trinity Wesleyan Church we love you in Jesus name amen okay uh, before we do close the service we're taking up a special offering uh, for the Gideon's Offering And as we take that, someone has something to share. Come on up.
1: Good morning. I didn't come to church today thinking I would give a testimony. But for the past two weeks, I've been asking the Lord, put a Gideon in front of me. They need to know what happened in my classroom in Pittsburgh. By profession, I'm a registered nurse. But the last six years of my working experience, the Lord sent me on a job to be a teacher at a vocational school in Pittsburgh. It was owned and operated by Jews. Two months after I got on the job, my first student was murdered. She was beaten to death, and her body was stuffed in a laundry room. She was the mother of three daughters. From that day on, male or female, I literally pounded into my students, and these were adults, how much God loved them, how interested he was in their lives, and how much he wanted to do for them. After about three years, I said to the Lord, they're going to forget everything I've said about you. What else can I do? At the same time I was teaching, I was also preaching in the prison system in Pittsburgh, and my partner was a Gideon named Ken Giles. The Lord spoke to his wife and said, Delphine needs Bibles. So Ken came to me and said, you need Bibles. I said, I didn't think you could pass Bibles out in a school But if Jesus said, I need Bibles, I'll take Bibles. So when he gave me, we preached, then anything left over, um, I took home. And I said to the Lord, what should I do with them? He said, you open the front flap, you write, forgive, forgive, forgive. Sign your name, which was a heart with Mrs. O in it and wrap them up in the nicest paper you can find. My block was 41 days long, so I decided on the last day of the block I would pass out the Bibles. The Lord said, before you do, you're to tell a story, a true story on forgiveness that occurred between me and a patient at Allegheny General Hospital who was in the hospital for three years. So I won't tell you the story, but on my blackboard, I wrote in big words, love. On the bottom of the blackboard, I wrote all the bad things that my students were living through, incest, rape, and abandonment, divorce, all kinds of bad things they were living through. And I said, if you want this, which was love, and you've lived through all of this, you have to do this. And I wrote, forgive. I told the story. When the story was over, I began to take my students into a private room to give them their grades, and then they could go home. So this is my first testimony on what the Bibles did in my classroom on the 41st day. The girl that came in was African American, middle-aged, I gave her her grades, I encouraged her as much as I could, and then as an afterthought, I said to her, now, I've told you all that I can tell you. Do you have anything to say to me?" She said, I certainly do. She said, you wouldn't know this, Mrs. O, but I came to school today, but after school, I was going to murder my boyfriend. I knew exactly how to do it. I knew I could get away with it, but I don't know what happened to me. You were telling that story, and this burning came into my chest. And she said, I don't know how to describe it, but all I know is I'm not murdering anybody. I'm taking this book and I'm going home. I have to tell my mother. I have to bring my family here. I have to get back to church. That story prompted me, instead of giving the Bible on the 41st day, I moved it up to the 38th day so that I could find out what God was doing and give testimony back to the the body of Christ that I was in at the time. In the course of that six year, five of my students were murdered, but the testimonies of what God did passing out those Bibles changed my life, changed the lives of many students, and I thank God today not only for the opportunity, but all week I've said the Gideons need to know this to be encouraged. And I really asked him to put me in, put the person right in front of me. And so he put Jim in front of me. So Jim, thank you all for your work. And I hope this encourages you even further. And thank you for listening. Amen. Amen.
0: All right. Uh, thanks again for coming on this beautiful Sunday. Go, be blessed, and be a blessing.